Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric and Matt, and this is Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit, your beacon of freedom and the American way of life. Tune in every Friday for a new episode as we dive into the world of liberty and what makes our country great. All right, I hope everybody's had a great week. Welcome back. This is Eric and Matt here with Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. And those of you tuning in on um, YouTube, this video usually drops on Saturday is Life, Liberty, and Pursuit mm-hmm. Day. So right. thanks for tuning in. Uh, these episodes are hour long. I know they're a little bit long uh, for some of the YouTubers, but we really appreciate you tuning in. And if you're joining us back in to listen on the podcast servers, uh, thank you for listening. We're going to get into today's uh, podcast. We're going to be talking about prepping on a budget. Uh, so yes. this one can go a lot of different ways, and uh, we're going to kind of dive into some of the concepts. Um, it is very important for people to have good preparation. The CDC recommends generally uh, that you have at least, I think they recommend about 15 days worth of food. Uh, we're going to go into a little bit deeper preparation than that. Before we get started on today's podcast, I'd like to give a thanks to the show sponsor, WeTheProcessor.com. Uh, if you are a business that has been canceled or your credit card processor has dropped you or pulled the rug out from under you, uh, we feel for you. We understand how hard that can be. But if you go to We the Processor, you never have to worry about the rug of freedom being pulled out from under you. They are a pro-liberty, pro-freedom of speech, pro-2A credit card processor that will always have your back, and you never have to worry about uh, consistency in terms of getting your business serviced. So check them out. You can directly support LLP in doing so. All right. So let's dive into it. Um, there's a lot of different directions this can go, and I'm going to try my best to sort of just lay it out in a way that makes sense for everybody. I think the most important thing to mention right out the gate, and this this is, I think, just a really good observation for people to keep uh, in the back of their minds in general, is that you don't have to do too much too fast. Don't think you have to go out and spend a ton of money initially and have to, you know, over encumber yourself or or overdo it on your budget, right? That's right. It's okay to do a little bit at a time. And over time, you start, you know, saving up a bit of stores of food and supplies and things like that. Um, we've kind of covered this subject a little bit in a few previous, um, not only gun gripes on YouTube, but also some of our previous podcasts where we've talked about this. But I really wanted to dive into it because the way that people are feeling right now, there's just a lot of discourse in our society right now. And folks are just really scared. And Lots of folks don't understand what it means to be prepared, and they don't understand how south things can go, and as as quickly things can go south in terms of you know the existence that you take for granted on an everyday basis. Let's just say being able to go to a store and buy food, or being able to go buy basic um, you know necessities, or being able to get on Amazon and order your favorite stuff and have it shipped straight to your door, or being able to go to a um, gas station and buy fuel or things like that, or having access to medical care or a clinic or a doctor. All of those things are modern conveniences that we sometimes take for granted, and you don't realize that when things go bad, um, you know, it can quickly go away. And here you are in this in this moment of weakness where, you know, you don't know what to do because you haven't prepared, and here you are in a very compromised situation because you didn't take the, you know, basic time to just get ready and prepare yourself. Absolutely. And when you when you look at the the idea as a whole of prepping on a budget, a budget is relative to a lot of different people because budgets are different for a lot of different people. There's different income levels, there's different salaries, but also what I would consider uh, essential or worth spending some money on is maybe not necessarily what you uh, would consider necessity, or maybe you're okay with something that's a little bit more of an inferior product. And inferior isn't um, meant to sound negative. It just means that it's less of a build quality than something else. So um, for example, if you start looking at uh, food, you might have MREs, which are you know ready to eat, open it up, boom, you might have to heat it up. Most of the time, you don't even have to. You can just eat it unless it's the infamous bean burrito, which you absolutely have to heat up because it's like a brick. Um, then you have, you know, uh, freeze-dried food. 
dehydrated food, which is different. And all of those have different price points, but it also depends on, you know, what level are you willing to invest in it? So um, you might say, what well, MREs might be fine because you can, they're readily available. You can go on eBay and buy MREs by the box for significantly less money than you might spend on, uh, you know, a whole case of mountain house food or uh, any other type of freeze dried food that has a proprietary method of um, keeping it uh, safe or uh, long term storage ready. Yeah. You know, and I think that there certainly are different levels of preparedness in terms of food that you can get into and that all fit a different price range, right? You know, so some people, they might just have a ton of extra money laying around. Maybe they've saved some money. They want to dip into their savings or whatever, or maybe they're just independently wealthy or whatever. Yeah, it's a great option to be able to go, all right, Johnny, sign me up. And you just mm -hmm. order the food you need and you store it. Uh, a few things to consider certainly are... Um, Space constraints. Uh, yes. There might be some out there that need to prep, but they also need to make sure that they're, uh, you know, making the maximum use of available space for storage. I mean, storing extra food does require additional storage space, and that may not necessarily be something a lot of people have access to. That's going to be a slightly limiting factor. But let's say you have an area in your garage where you can, you know, put some extra shelves or maybe a root cellar or a spot in your basement where you can put some extra storage and you do have the ability to store some food, I guess the thing to ask would be, well, well, how much food should someone have on hand? How much do you need to store? I think 90 to 120 days is a good place to start. Uh, but ideally, I think a self-sufficiency with food, let's just say having a garden, maybe you've got an aquaponic set up and you can raise some tilapia for food. You know, you can hunt in your uh, local area. You can raise edible mushrooms and things. So there's lots of other ways that you can become self-sufficient by using nature around you mm -hmm. without having to use any space either. Let's say you have a few acres of land. You can actually have a pretty awesome garden if you um, set it up in just the right way. So without going down that rabbit hole just yet, which we will uh, in this podcast, I'll just mention that um, if you're going to just buy food, right, and let's just say you're not going to go with some of the freeze-dried or pre-packaged or MRE-type variant, let's say you want to do your own custom MREs or something. Um, that's what I tend to do, all right? And you're very good at it. I would, I would <laughs> recommend getting a vacuum sealer, okay, um, there's a lot of different vacuum sealers on the market. Some are, uh, are a little bit more commercial grade. Uh, some of them are a little bit more of a consumer grade, which are fine. Some of them handle liquids a heck of a lot better. Some of the industrial ones, you can actually um, vacuum seal like bowls of soup and everything, which for the purposes of this podcast, you're probably not going to be doing that. But there are some types that are a little bit more of like a industrial grade the food savers are probably great. You know, just find whatever the most recent food saver is and get one of those. And I would recommend buying the uh, pre-made vacuum seal bags. Um, if you check our link down below, uh, and if you're watching on YouTube, uh, go to the YouTube video. If you're listening on the podcast, go over and check out our YouTube video. But on the YouTube video, I'll put some links down below uh, to our Amazon store, and you can find all of the stuff on our Amazon shop. All the things I buy and use, we put on Amazon but anyway, if you check out the links, I, I buy the the pre-made bags. Uh, they're sealed on three sides already. Um, they're good to go, and they come in a variety of different sizes. Mm -hmm. I prefer the pre-made bags just because it's a little bit simpler, a little bit easier to use. And then you can go through and start vacuum sealing your own stuff. And I also uh, recommend the oxygen depleting packets, okay? They come in a few different sizes. Um, and then there'll be essentially... Um, some guidance that they'll give you on the website. If you go on our Amazon shop, you'll see uh, that for the size package that you're vacuum sealing, they'll recommend which size of uh, oxygen depleter that you want to use. Mm -hmm. So basically just get your bags, get your vacuum sealer, get your oxygen depleter. And let's say that you're prepping on a budget. You don't want to spend a lot at one time, but you want to start definitely getting some food stores. Okay. The way you do that on a budget is you go to the grocery store. Yeah, you might see some lentils on sale that week while you're getting your normal groceries. You don't have to buy a whole you know metric ton of them to start out with. Just start by buying some extra um, you know dried beans and some rice and things like that. Maybe some extra flour and sugar and basic baking stuff is always handy. Um, you know stuff that is has a really good shelf life. And you know rice and beans are definitely a staple of long term food storage. 
and you can vacuum seal individual portions. Um, let's say, like, for instance, a few weeks ago, I was at the grocery store, and they had these huge bags of rice on sale. Mm-hmm. They were, like, 40% off. Heck, yeah, sign me up, okay? So I took the rice, and I just busted the rice open, laid it on its side, and I went through, and I vacuum sealed two cup portions into a vacuum seal bag. And then, of course, I put those in hard bins uh, out in my basement, out of out of the light, Okay, and in a nice cool area, and and then we wrote the date on the bins, so we know what date we vacuum sealed uh, the rice. But each of those rice portions, if you got two of those huge bags of rice, it's enough to feed two people for probably about two months. So when you think, oh my gosh, there's no way uh, that I'm going to be able to have some form of a food store. Uh, for long-term storage that can actually feed my family, you'd be surprised. Rice goes a long way. I mean, two cups of rice will feed quite a few people. You know, when you cook it up, you, you don't just eat the rice. You eat other stuff with it. So you add some lentils. You know, you can take some pressure canned meat or whatever. So there's all these other things that you would, you know, just like you would make a portion of food to feed your family dinner. You don't just eat rice. You're going to eat other things with it. So kind of just go through and, like, buy stuff when it's on sale and then go through and remove it from its – like if you buy a, a pound of lentils in a bag, you're not going to just put the pound of lentils on the shelf. You're going to remove those lentils from the bag, vacuum seal them with an oxygen depleter. And now, you know, those lentils will keep pretty long time if you keep them dry and cool and in the vacuum seal. And as long as the seal doesn't fail on the bag, you're talking 10-plus years. Mm-hmm. So the thing about rice is um, it stores very well um, – but the one thing you have to be careful of is, especially with Asian rice, uh, long grain rice usually comes out of like uh, China or Laos, Cambodia. They have they they prefer long grain rice. Um, they don't refine it first, so you have to be very careful when you store it. There's uh, bugs in there because they like that. They just get caught up in the entire process of farming the rice. Um, so the trick to that is is that you have to put in uh, garlic. So if you actually take a garlic clove and you break off uh, garlic and you put it in with the rice and then you seal it up, that garlic is a natural deterrent to those bugs and they, they don't like it. Um, but just be aware that when you do long-term storage with rice, you are going to see little bugs in the rice. You can eat them. It's not going to hurt you, but yeah. it is going to be a little bit weird. Short grain rice coming out of like Japan or Korea typically don't have that problem because they refine it. They're more of like the fancy Asian, I guess. You seem to know a lot about rice, man. Oh, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, it, it's it's an Asian thing, you know. I'm a rice uh, connoisseur. I balls a little yeah, bit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a rice connoisseur. Um, but you know, it, within the Asian community, they, they, we we joke and we're like, "Hey, you have jungle Asian and you have fancy Asian." Oh. So you have like fancy Asians, short grain rice, and I always, I always right on. I we play around a lot, right on. But um, just make sure when you're storing rice that you're just putting a little bit of garlic if it's short grain rice. And good point. The good thing about rice is once you cook it, it keeps really well. I mean, you can keep rice uncooked for three, four, five days, depending on how it's stored, and you can continue to eat it. So it's not one of those if we don't eat it all right now, we can't. Well, we're going to lose it. It'll keep for for about a week. You know, it's funny because like rice and pasta, it always seems like they're so much better the next day. Anyway. Yes. You ever notice when you make like a pot of spaghetti and the next day it's like, oh my God, it's so good. It's yep. so much better the next day. There's something about it has to relax a while. And, well, back to the rice thing. Fried rice is only made with at least day old rice. That's kind of mm-hmm. the thing. Like if you ever notice if you go into a restaurant and you get like really loose fried rice, nothing sticks together. It's because they leave it. That's It was really designed for... To, to use the rice that they made the day before without wasting it. Oh, so when yeah. a restaurant makes a huge thing of rice and they don't sell it all, the next day they use that for fried rice. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. One thing I'll mention too about flour, you know, you can do a heck of a lot of things with flour and I would recommend storing flour, especially if you're at your grocery store and let's just say they've, they've run in flour on sale, buy some and vacuum seal it. Um, now, here's the thing. There's also bug eggs and flour. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, there's no way around it. Okay, there's going to be the, the little 
eggs that will hatch and Lar- flower larva. eventually. Yeah, larva, if you will. You know, they, they hatch into larva, which then turn into bugs. One way you can do that is to vacuum seal the flower with a oxygen depleter, put it in your freezer, and freeze it. When you get it back out, um, let it come back up to temperature slowly, remove it from the freezer, put it in the refrigerator, wait a day. Remove it from the refrigerator if you can. Put it in your microwave overnight and let it thaw out slowly or put it in a cooler. Grab yourself a cooler. Remove it from the refrigerator. Put it in the cooler. Now those eggs are dead and they will not grow. Now that flower will keep a really long time as long as that seal uh, is good and as long as you have kept uh, it in a dry and cool place. Danny, get out of there. My dog's down here having, oh, yeah. having fun with us. If in you, the if you yeah. see us down here petting this this Belgian yeah. mal walking around, yeah, she she <laughs> she's a curious pup. But those are great ways to do it. And again, you don't have to necessarily spend a ton of money all at one time. You can just do this slowly. Get the vacuum sealer, mm-hmm. get the bags, and then just buy a bit of food as you go and vacuum seal as you go. And over time, you'll end up finding that you know, wow, you know, I've got a good bit of food stores, mm-hmm. and you'd be surprised how much food you can store in a relatively short amount of time with a minimal amount of effort, just using vacuum sealing. And like rice and beans are a great option, but understand also that you do have to have a decent amount of water to cook rice and beans, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they do require water, so you got to make sure that you're keeping a good amount of water nearby, or maybe you know, storing water. So there's all of those considerations as well. So all of the preparation measures for long-term food storage, they also kind of come with their own set of needs and circumstances that surround each one. The dehydrated food is probably a little bit more of a uh, ready-to-go type of thing, although they do require water, probably not as much water as cooking, let's say, rice or beans, but at a slightly higher price. And the thing about dehydrated foods, too, is they last a really long time. The mm-hmm. longest shelf life is generally afforded by uh, having dehydrated yep. or freeze-dried Freeze foods. Freeze-dried last, last a long like time. 20 years, 25 yeah. years. I mean, the, the, the beautiful thing about what we've been talking about so far is all the things that we've been mentioning are very, very inexpensive. You can get a – if you go to – uh, like a farmer's market, like an Asian farmer's market, you can get a 25 or 50 pound bag of rice for like nothing. I mean, it's maybe $30 yeah. for an entire bag and that's going to last you a long time. Uh, flour too. Flour yeah. is notoriously inexpensive and you can do so much with it. Yep. So the beautiful thing about when you, what you just said, Eric, about needing a lot of water, rice is extremely unique in that it's going to cook with whatever liquid you put it in. So if you happen to have broth. Beef, broth, beef stock, chicken stock, or pressure canning, if you pressure canned a bunch of meat, usually it's going to be sitting in quite a bit of liquid. If you're going to bust open, you know, four or five, uh, you know, highballs of like meat, you can reuse that liquid into the rice and you're going to drastically cut back on the amount of water because Water is precious in those times. You want to make sure that you're trying to preserve as much of that fresh water for drinking versus cooking. So any other liquid that you can pull from, whether it's canned meat or broth or chicken broth or whatnot, you want to use that. Um, And that's going to really save you a lot of, you know, space because think about a gallon of water is seven pounds. And then if you look at how much volume that takes up, it's it's not really feasible because you want to have that water for drinking. That's right. Yeah. So I think that it's a great point now that we can sort of segue into pressure canning. Yeah. uh, Since you mentioned that. The cool thing about pressure canning, it's a very, very viable way to have long-term food storage and What's so cool about pressure canning, it's been around a long time. It's not necessarily a new concept. There was a point where pressure canning was a pretty normal part of our everyday society, right? Uh, Families would grow their food. uh, They'd have all their veggies. They'd do all their hunting, dress out all their animals. And guess what? They would, you know, go ahead and, um, you know, pressure can their meat and their veggies and then, then have enough food to sustain them through the winter and into the next year. And it was just a great way for them to keep their food from spoiling and keep it organized and safe, right? And I think that there's a lot of negative stigma with pressure canning. People think, oh, well, I don't want to risk getting botulism. I don't Mm want to risk, you know, a jar failing, something going wrong. 
There is a little bit of a learning curve to it. But you can see the rust. If it, if, like, There's no right. doubt when you look at botulism. Like, If it yeah. looks good, you're usually good. You'll know. Yeah. Okay. Now, if a can fails, and when I, we say can, but really it's a jar, yeah. Okay, a ball jar, you know, the jar with the flat and the ring on top, and it forms a seal. So even if the ring is off of the, of the jar, there's a solid seal. You know, when you push that button in, and if it clicks and pops, you know there's not a seal. But it, it's pushed down, and it seals, just like when you crack open any jar. You know, like a jar of pickles, whatever. Yep. Uh, but you can pressure can meat, fish, and most importantly as well, broth. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's say you want to add some broth to your rice when you're boiling or whatever, uh, just to impart some flavor, or you want to use broth for a wide variety of different cooking and stuff. Uh, you can actually can all your own broth and stuff, which is great. Uh, if you Let's say that you're raising tilapia. You have aquaponics set up, and you want to raise your own tilapia. Uh, you can actually take all the remnants of your tilapia after you fillet them, um, everything except <laughs> the guts, okay? Scale them and uh, remove the guts. But everything else, you can make broth with the bones and, and the fish remnants and have fish broth. Mm-hmm. And it sounds gross. You think, eh, boiled fish, fish broth. But it's delicious and rice. And it's a uh, – hey, girl. And it's, it's a great way to, you know, just use, make sure you're using everything that you have at your disposal in terms of all the stuff you've worked hard to prep, right? Growing tilapia requires a lot of expertise and time and effort. So you want to make sure you're making the maximum use of that sacrifice, mm-hmm. right, of your time. But also, you know, you're respecting the life of the animal by making sure you're using the absolute maximum amount and not wasting anything. Mm-hmm. That's important to not be wasteful. But with pressure canning, I rec- recommend the All-American pressure canners. Um, Very well known. We have those on our Amazon site if you want to check them out. Sometimes they're not always in stock. Um, there's been sort of a resurgence in the uh, art of pressure canning. Lots of folks have been getting back into it. If you're watching on YouTube and you want to see a video on how to pressure can, Chad and I did a complete series on pressure canning. Go check that out. Uh, we pressure can some deer meat. Uh, now, that's one thing worth mentioning. Like, if you're a hunter and you shoot a lot of deer every year or whatever. Like this last year, I think we harvested, well, between all of us, we harvested quite a few, but I think I shot five or six, and you shot, what, three or four? Um, I think I, it was about five. 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 You shot five deer, and I think yep. I shot six. Yep. So that's a lot of food, right? If you go and you get that deer processed at a processor, or if you process, process it yourself, whatever, that's fine, whichever method you use, you're going to wind up with a lot of meat. I mean, each deer... It's like, like usually a couple of big old bags mm-hmm. full of meat. And you can either freeze that meat or you can go through and pressure can it. And over the course of this last year, I've been pressure canning all of the deer meat that we harvested from this last winter. And I think right now I have about 260 pounds of venison pressure canned. Now it takes effort. It takes time to do mm-hmm. it. But that properly pressure canned meat and vegetables... You can use a water bath canner to do vegetables because it doesn't have to use as high a temperature. Anyway, I don't want to get into that. But if you pressure can your meat properly and do it just right, it'll last a really long time if you keep it in a cool and dry place and keep light away from it. And look, all you got to do is when your um, pressure canned food is sitting on the shelf, just go by every now and then and just go boop, 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 just poke them. On the top and see if the if the if the seals have failed. You're inevitably going to get a few that fail to seal, and you might end up getting a couple that that fail. And that's all right. Just take that jar and dispose of it. And it's just cost doing business, yeah. right? Don't, don't taste test it. Yeah, don't taste <laughs> test it. <laughs> it now away. to to piggyback on what Matt mentioned about botulism and rust and corrosion, you want to keep moisture away because you don't want rust uh, to develop on your lids or your rings, which can definitely uh, make the seal fail. And um, generally, if you pop the seal, you're going to know if something's off. Trust mm-hmm. me. You will know. It will t- it will smell like it's been sitting out as long as it's been on the shelf. So it's not like you're not going to know. If you pop it open, it smells nice and fresh, and you think, mm, I want to eat that. Well, guess what? It's probably okay. If you pop the seal and look up under the flat and you see mold, ditch it. Or if you see any like black or white mold, just mm-hmm. ditch it. It's not worth it, right? You don't want to get in botulism. It can be fatal. Yeah. So there's this negative stigma with pressure canning because people associate it with this old, unproven type of thing. But the fact of the matter is, 
It's very safe as long as you follow uh, very strict and exacting guidelines. Uh, there's a couple of volumes you can get. I'll put a link in our Amazon store if you're interested in picking up a volume uh, that tell you all the correct times for pressure canning, every little tiny safety minutia, every little bit of information if you're interested in getting into it. The All-American canners are not cheap. They are expensive, but they are the industry standard and they are the best ones available and I strongly recommend the All-American. Uh, they, they are a wonderful pressure canner. Yep. They're probably one of the most well-known uh, pressure canners uh, available. And they're made right here in the U.S. Yeah, but, I mean, if we're talking about budgetary restrictions that might not be like, in written in the stars for you, there's plenty of content out there that you can digest that shows you how to do it with just a regular uh, like pot and hot water. Now you're probably not going to, you know, do meats. I've have seen some people do like chicken, nothing like, yeah, might be a little iffy vegetables, soups, broths. Um, all those can be done in just a hot bath yeah. type of canning. Um, and I've seen people use regular pressure cookers as well. Um, it doesn't have to be an all American. Um, but you can use a regular pressure cooker. You just got to be super careful, uh, because yep. they are like ticking time bombs and you got to be careful. Yeah, You got to be careful. <laughs> the thing is as well, I know we, we talked about rice earlier. You can't pressure can rice, unfortunately. It mm -hmm. doesn't do well in a pressure canning situation, but you can do a wide variety of soups mm -hmm. and everything like that. If you look through the volumes that I told you about, it'll give you all the information you need to know. And that way you're making sure you're doing everything safe and consistently. It is a learning curve. You're going to have a few cans fail. But if you follow some basic instructions and take your time and be very methodical, the most important thing is when you're doing your pressure canning, do not do it while you're distracted. The best way to do it is to set aside an entire day, get up in the morning, have you some coffee, have breakfast, get yourself mentally in the zone, get your kitchen nice and clean. Have a nice, tidy, clean work area. Yeah, sanitation is important. Take your time and be methodical, and you will not have a single issue. Yeah, I can't. That's very, very important. You really have to make sure that everything is sanitized. There is a, a specific process that you have to follow as far as cleaning out the jars before you use them, making sure there's no uh, you know, interaction <laughs> with anything else going in because you don't want to spend – I know when I we you've done it in the past – it's like an all day affair. So it it's is. like, it takes a village. So everybody's kind of helping out. But the last thing you want is to spend all that time. And most importantly, all that game meat that you hunted and it gets compromised and you lose everything. So now yeah. you have 200 pounds of meat that you hunted, like you worked for it. And now it's all bad. So to get back into the <clears throat> vein of the overall concept of the podcast, all right, so can you prep on a budget? Absolutely, you can. Now, we, we've mentioned up to this point, we've been talking about food, pressure canning, vacuum mm -hmm. sealing, um, pre-made MREs, dehydrated foods, um, all freeze-dried foods, all of those things are excellent. Even if you are on a budget, you can do any of the above that you want or all of the above and just do it at your pace. Don't get crazy on your budget. Don't blow your budget, but set a budget. Set an amount of money that you can spend and just set it aside for that purpose and then spend that money as smartly as you can. And you'll find that you'll have some food stores in no time at all. So food is certainly an important thing. We're not going to really talk about water storage in this particular um, podcast because there's a lot of exacting things that have to happen if you're going to do like large water storage, like we're talking cisterns, like mm -hmm. rainwater collection things. We're not going to get into that, but but briefly, I will mention there are water cisterns that you can um, say you want to collect water just for like simple bathing and, and watering the garden and things like that. Maybe not drinking water per se. I also saw the other day, Chad sent me uh, some links mm -hmm. to these solar panels that actually collect. Um, they're solar powered, but it is a panel that actually collects water out of the air. It collects vapor, water vapor, mm. and it, it will actually collect a certain amount of drinking water, drinkable water for you every single day. I think you get seven liters of water per day per Holy panel. cow. So if you live in a really arid environment, and let's just say you need to pull some water out of the air in order to you know have some extra drinking water, that might be an option. Now, that's definitely not a budget thing because those panels mm -hmm. are quite expensive, but for some people, that might be worth looking into. So for water storage, definitely look at some water purification. Mm -hmm. um, get some life straws. That's always handy. You know, maybe some spare cisterns to store some rainwater you can purify. Maybe if you have a creek nearby. So there's lots of different ways that you can obtain water. 
if you're on a well, you're really lucky um, because you don't have to worry about any kind of city water. Uh, maybe you have a, a basic solar power array that can just be, you know, serve as a backup for your well so you can at least have some running water. Mm-hmm. That's a luxury that, you know, you can obtain on a budget. You know, solar panels have gotten much more affordable. We're going to do a whole episode on solar. So oh, yeah. stay tuned for that. Uh, I'm not going to get into that here. But at this point in the podcast, we'll probably move on uh, to medical preparation. So with medical, but before that, I know just real quick with water. Sure. One, it's really easy to get water right now. Um, Everything is prepackaged. You can go to Costco or Sam's or whatever your local store is, and you can buy it by like by the pack. So you're talking 24 packs of water. You can, there's literally $3, you know, so it's not, it's not a ton. You can stack those up for long-term storage, but if you really want to cool and dry. Yep. Or you can go with uh Berkey. I think it's Berkey water filters. They're like, they're like big charcoal gravity filters. And basically you just pour the water in. It's going to filter through the different layers of charcoal. And then you have to spick it and you just pour the water out right into your cup. It's a, it's not, it has no power. It's a passive water system. They're probably one of the most well-known uh, water systems that you can buy. Um, and you just sit them right there on your counter. They have little stands that you can have, but, um, it's great to have just as a backup because you can literally pour any type of water in there. You could just go pick up, you know, if you have a a rain catch barrel, you want to filter that before you drink it. Um, so just dump water in there, give it like an hour or two. It's going to filter through and you got water. If you are set up on a well, I would recommend a whole house filtration system. I actually have a double filtration here. So we've got one large particulate filter that catches any of the big stuff, which luckily we're on one of those board wells. It's really deep, so the water's real clean. Nice. Uh, so you got a particulate filter, and then I've got one of those long charcoal filters. And then when you, by the time you get the water out of the refrigerator, there's another charcoal filter. Yep. It's great. We've done pH tests before, completely neutral pH awesome. out of well water. So that's what you want to strive for. And really rainwater will generally be pretty clean. I mean, especially if you run it through a charcoal filter, like what he's talking about, and then Mm -hmm. maybe boil it, you should have neutral pH. If not, I mean, definitely a much more neutral pH level than something like, uh, you know, your, your, your city water is going to, you know, test on the, on the acidity. Pumped full of like fluoride and chemicals and all that good stuff. So it, in a disaster situation, a small medical emergency can turn into a Big, big issue uh, if you're not prepared, right? We, we take it for granted, right? If we have a boo-boo, we can run to the doctor and get something dealt with. Or if we get a little call for a sniffle, we can run to the doctor. So in this type of situation, you know, what level of, of medical preparedness is enough medical preparedness? I mean, what is enough? I think that people tend to really undervalue medical. And what I'll mention here is that I think that people get fixated on guns, and don't get me wrong, I'm I'm a gun guy. Okay, yeah, we love I guns. love me some guns. <laughs> I like I am all about guns, and I I am such an enthusiast of the mechanical function. I love playing around with different calibers. I love shooting black powder. I love air rifles. I love crossbows and air bows, and you name it. Like I'm all about it. I love it. But the truth of the matter is that you're much more likely to have to save someone. Uh, than you are to have to actually uh, use a firearm against someone. Now, you need to be prepared to protect yourself. And the the having a, a firearm is definitely an important thing for everyone should have at least a good rifle and a handgun, maybe a shotgun or a twenty two. right? No one's going to refute that, at least hopefully, I hope you won't. So we won't spend a lot of time on guns because uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you know we're a gun channel. So there's tons of information about firearms. And if you're listening, you should know Obviously, if you go on Iraq Veteran 8888, you know, we're a huge gun channel. That's what we do. So we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about guns because I think people already kind of got that handled. If yep. they're tuning in, chances are you're a gun person already. So we're not really going to dive into that. But you you probably will have a much higher chance of needing to help someone who's having a medical emergency than you will uh, to use a firearm. Uh, Correct. In, in the way we hope no one ever has to. Well, you know, you, we, we, we hope that no one has to use a firearm in that way, but we have to be prepared to if, you know, if we have to. Well, I was over here kind of giggling like a schoolgirl because when you said 
Um, we're, we love guns. It, it brought that Family Guy episode uh, in my head where Peter uh, got a gun for the first time and he uses it for everything. He's like, hey, open the door. And he like shoots the door to open the door. And he's like, turn the light on. He shoots the lamp. <laughs> it's like the most bizarre thing. Giggity, but, giggity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it was that's what I was thinking of. He was like, he was like, hey, I got a gun. He's using it for everything. It was hilarious. Oh, Peter. Yeah. I love but, it. But absolutely, that is, that is totally how we yeah, are. Though. Exactly. Shoot it as <laughs> like, the answer. Like Boom. Shoot it. Um, but we'll probably end the podcast on guns, just because oh, yeah. like, that's a huge part of uh, of the whole budgetary restriction. Because a lot of people get fixated on that, and we'll 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 save that for for yeah. for, for the ending. It but is important to acknowledge, though, that like being prepared costs money. Like life isn't cheap to begin with right like we look at our everyday you know bills and expenses and things we have to you know and fuel costs are going up inflation is crazy right now at the time we're cutting this podcast so yeah i mean like budgeting some extra money for preparing for something that might never happen mm-hmm. to some people can be a hard pill to swallow because it's like well i don't want to do this or do that there's always something else you'd rather do with your money so yeah it can be hard to justify yeah. for some people but well it's hard for medical yeah. because you don't you it I think that's probably the hardest thing to justify is because food, you look at it and you know what it's for. You know you're going to use it. Ammo and guns, you're like, oh, it gives you a warm and, and fuzzy feeling. But medical, because the general public isn't trained on medical, they don't look at something like a tourniquet and realize the life-saving measures or the impact that it has when you need it. They look at it and they say, oh, it's a tourniquet they don't really they're probably never going to use it but so they don't understand the weight that that piece of equipment has or even something as simple as penicillin they don't understand like in in that situation when you don't have power you don't have running water you don't have anything penicillin is probably going to save your life it's i mean it's like the life drug it's gonna save save you from almost anything um other than like trauma, but internal medicine, it's, it's a great medicine to have, um, Tylenol, things like that, things that we take for granted. We don't see the immediate return on investment with having it stored. So it looks, it's thought upon as like a waste of money. Something as simple as like Caladryl, having an extra bottle of Caladryl when you're seven-year-old decides to run through you know poison sumac or poison ivy and they're covered in just yeah run through yeah. yellow jackets nest, run through yeah benadryl and benadryl or caladryl or whatever it is that you need those are things that you w- wish you would have had well the lucky thing for you if you're looking at to do medical prepping is that you can actually get set up pretty solid on medical for not a lot of money luckily mm-hmm. most of the stuff is pretty affordable and available right mm-hmm. um one shout out that I could give, a shameless plug, would be uh, my friend Dietrich over at uh, Medical Gear Outfitters. That's right. Um, he's Skinny a YouTuber Medi. as well. He does a lot of YouTube videos. And he's got a ton of, of stuff uh, on medical things in general, like all types of medical preps. I would suggest he- checking him out. Also, North American Rescue. Follow them on Instagram. They've got a lot of great information, and they've, they've got some great gear. Um, you know, some tourniquets would probably be definitely a mm-hmm. good thing to have. You can get some really good basic blowout kits that'll handle some pretty nasty boo-boos mm-hmm. for a very reasonable amount of money. I would recommend very strongly going to like a grocery store and getting some of those really good quality cloth band-aids. They have come in really, really handy for me in a lot of situations. Just the other day, uh, in fact, just this last Sunday, literally a couple of days ago, I had just reeled in. We were out fishing uh, in the middle of nowhere <laughs> uh, out on the Gulf of Mexico on Oyster Bar. Literally and, uh, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely off the beaten track. And I just caught a nice redfish. I had just put him in the cooler and sent a picture to Chad and, you know, and Brandy. And, and it was really cool, right? And then what happened? Jacob was walking around and stepped on this really sharp object and cut his foot open. And mm. it's a pretty nasty gash. And here we are out here. And if I didn't have my medical kit, I mean, it was some pretty bad bleeding. Like it took us a second, right? But I had my boat kit, a shameless plug for for Dietrich again, but I <laughs> bought one of his boat kits. It comes in this uh, nice little like orange pelican case. You can easily tell that it's certainly a medical object. Yep. High vis. Yeah, you can high find vis, it. easy to get. Broke out my medical kit, got some uh, uh, medical tape, and I got a, a good bit of gauze, and we just taped that gauze to the bottom of his foot, stopped the bleeding. We kept fishing. 
Nice. Life went on, right? That kept me from having to cut the bottom of my shirt off or <laughs> jer- jerry rig something together. So the thing is, life is dangerous, right? We always think that we're going to have to shoot someone. You know, like That's always this underlying thing. People think, well, you're a gun guy. It just means you're, you want to shoot someone. No, <laughs> but I don't want someone else with a gun to shoot me, right? So it's like you have to be able to protect yourself. And it's not some heinous thing where you where you just got some vendetta against the world or anything because you're a gun person. I think that's a misconception about gun people, right? No, we just want to live free and, and be safe, right? But part of it, too, is that life is much more dangerous than any gun owner could ever be, right? Uh, gravity kills a lot of people. Water drowns people, right? People have allergic reactions to things. People, uh, you know, get stung and bit by animals and die. So there's all these things that can happen, right? You eat the wrong mushroom. Oh, well, you got poison. Yeah, I don't mess with mushrooms, man. Yeah, so there's Mm -hmm. all these things. Like, nature is a very unforgiving place, and it can hurt you, right? There's a lot of environments that human beings are not designed to be in, right? But the thing is, you know, you have a much better chance of suffering some type of unfortunate accident than anything related to firearms. And I think people tend to fixate on that and think that, oh, well, I got my gun. I'm safe. I mean, that's true, right? Having a firearm is definitely going to protect you in the long run and allow you to do a wide variety of other tasks as well. You can hunt animals. um, You can protect yourself. And there's a ton of things that firearms are useful for as a tool, right? And that's certainly not something that you should overlook. But medical is very important, and it's the little cuts and scrapes and boo-boos that you need to be able to attend to quickly and efficiently in a bad situation where medical help may not be nearby and may not be available at all, right? You don't want to develop a staph infection. Mm -hmm. You know, it happened to my mother. She was cutting grass on her riding lawnmower and got this unassuming little scrape on her leg. Didn't think anything of it. Developed a staph infection. Almost killed him. Yeah, lose a leg that way. Yeah, it almost killed him. And it's just like the little cuts and scrapes are the ones that can kill you because you can get a staph infection. There's It's everywhere. Staphylococcus. Yeah, staph, MRSA, like (laughs) all kinds of stuff. So don't take the little cuts and scrapes of life for granted. Like make sure you're prepared medically. And the good thing about this in the vein of it being a uh, budget-minded episode is that you can totally get into some really great medical supplies for not a ton of money, especially if you just budget a bit each month and pick away at it for two or three months. You'll have it nicked in no time. Real easy, guys. So that's interesting. Uh, that I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that kind of goes into having like a, a family care doctor that you that you see all the time. Um, because if, they, if you guys have a belief system that's kind of aligned – um, you can always ask if you go in, there'll be times where I go and I might need like some antibiotics. He might, you know, prescribe me a Z pack or some amoxicillin or something like that. If you have that relationship, you can say, Hey doc, um, can I get two? And he might prescribe one for you to use now. And then he'll prescribe one that you can kind of just throw it, throw into the, the stash in case. Cause I mean, Z packs and all of those antibiotics are crucial in those situations. So um, multivitamins, we, multivitamins. So th- we were, we were on break for quite a while. You know, Eric was, uh, traveling, he was on vacation. I was traveling on vacation and, and we just weren't able to, to connect, to get back into the studio, uh, prior to all that traveling to get anything cut. Um, I was in Puerto Rico for a week <clears throat> Oh wow! <laughs> and, um, the, the people there are amazing. But every time we would go out and we would talk, so we went, you know, we went scuba diving, we went fishing, and we were talking with the captain of the boat, and he go, and every single person that we talked to when we were traveling was like, yeah, when the hurricane hit, they didn't have power or water for seven months. Seven months. That's now, that's kind of a worst case scenario. I, I would like to think that here in the States, things would be back to normal a little sooner than that. But, but that certainly is, it does open your eyes to how long so, things can really yeah, be south. Worst case scenario, seven months. Wow. Best case scenario, uh, look at Louisiana when they got hit with the hurricane. Look at Texas when the winter storms hit. You're talking at best three weeks, yeah. a month. I yeah, mean, worst possibly 90 days. Yeah. So look at the fuel thing where the fuel lines were shut down yeah. for a while. So when I was talking with, you know, um, all of those people in Puerto Rico, 
one, they were really mad because they said the reason that they lost all the power is because they didn't have underground utilities. Underground utilities, if you have an opportunity to live in an area where you have underground utilities, you're going to have more uptime on your power because they're not exposed to the elements. The winds aren't blowing the power poles down. But in Puerto Rico, everything is old school. They're all above ground. And you would think that they would learn and the government would then run underground utilities. Because, well, it's also very expensive to to redo all of that infrastructure. Right. I mean, that may not have the money to do and that. That was the thing. They're, they're a bankrupt country, per se. Um, but they replaced everything that got knocked down with the same thing. And that's what really kind of pissed off a lot of the locals that live there. They said, well, they just put a Band-Aid on it because the next hurricane that comes through, this is the same thing is going to happen. Yep. So they know, they know that they have to be prepared. So if you look, they all own generators. They all have food stores. They all have water cisterns. Like when you when you're driving around the island, they all are catching rainwater. They're all like they're all prepared. Smart. Yeah. So if you look at the medical side, you know for sure they needed antibiotics. You know they needed the basic medical Tylenol because they weren't able to just walk into a store. They didn't exist. There was no power. There was no, all the pharmacies were empty. All the hospitals didn't have power. So think about that. You might say, oh, that could never happen, but it has happened. And it's happened multiple times in the US, across mm -hmm. the US, whether it's in California or the West Coast when they have rolling blackouts because they have power. They're not selling PS4s or PS5s or the whatever new gaming system, they're refusing sales because it takes too much power off the power grid. So they're literally canceling orders for that. They're they're looking at it and saying, you can't have these high-end computers or these high-end gaming systems because it's sucking too much power out of our power grid that we have to buy from Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like all this weird stuff going on. Scary. Yeah. So be prepared and just spend that money up front and let it sit there and ride it out. I agree. And uh, so, so to kind of put a cap on medical, um, you know, medical can be had for very reasonable and just chip away at it. That's cool. You can do that. Uh, don't overlook your, um, you know, as he mentioned, some of the medicines, if you can have some extra, that's cool. And also don't overlook your, your vitamins and things like that. Mm -hmm. Let's just say that if you're not getting the nutrition uh, or the food that you normally uh, take in, Having some good multivitamins to keep you plussed up on essential uh, nutrients probably wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Also, don't overlook some of the little comfort items, too. You know, if you're bumming around in the grocery store uh, when things are normal, and let's say that, I don't know, um, packs of toothbrushes and toothpaste and baby wipes and deodorant and wash, uh, you know, uh, uh, shampoo and, and conditioner and soap and body wash and stuff like that's on sale – Pick up a few extras, and guess what? If you went and got you one of those vacuum sealers, vacuum seal those suckers. They'll last forever mm -hmm. when they're vacuum sealed. And store them in a bin, and that way you got a few comfort items. Because, look, hygiene is important too, right? When things are going bad, you may not have access to the dentist. You may not have access to a doctor. Uh, you want to make sure you're keeping your, yourself clean and healthy and make sure you're taking care of your teeth, <laughs> brushing yeah. those nasty teeth. Do it. Okay? Like, I get it. Okay. Dude, a toothache will take you out. Yes, Absolutely. That's what I was going to mention. You, you can't just go, you know, you don't want to be dealing like Tom Hanks was in, uh, what, what was that movie, Cast Away, yeah. where he had to <laughs> take, the, take the freaking ice skate and knock his tooth out. Yeah. Just, I mean, you don't want to be in that situation, okay? Take care of your body. So, And then that's the little tiny comfort things that we don't mm -hmm. think about, right? A, a, a disastrous situation is happening, and uh, sometimes a little monkey bath and, and get yourself cleaned up might feel a little better. It might help you sleep better. Getting your rest is important. Try to get mm -hmm. your eight hours, you know, and if getting your eight hours means you're well-fed and you're clean and you're happy, don't take for granted those little comforts uh, that, you know, we, we often take for granted, those yeah. little tiny comforts. You know, and look, even like board games and cards may seem like a tiny issue, but you know, having something to do, like boredom can be a thing, right? You know, you may not be um, using as much energy or going as many places or doing as much stuff. You know, just keep in mind that, you know, you may not have your big screen TV blaring <laughs> the latest, greatest Hollywood blockbuster, right? So maybe some simple card games or dominoes or some board games might help uh, kind of fight off some of that boredom a little bit and keep your mind occupied. It's important to make sure your morale is high in a really bad situation. 
we'll kind of end by talking about guns a little bit. Um, I know we didn't spend a lot of time on guns. Do you have anything oh, else for oh, medical? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm itching to get into guns. Sure. But hygiene, I just wanted to bring up the choice of soap that you use. And I learned this when we were down in Appalach, uh, is very important because what you use at home in your hot shower uh, is different than what you're going to use with cold water. And I learned this because I had brought... Uh, I brought some soap and it was like this, oh, it's all natural homemade soap. <laughs> and it, I learned very quickly why olive oil and soap is a bad idea because we were primitive camping on an island. So we were for three days. Yeah. And we were, we were washing in the ocean. We were glamping. So I got in there and I went to wash with this soap and I was just coated in olive oil. And I was like, what is this? Like, it's this bar of soap that's supposed to be like na- all natural. And it turns out like that might be good with hot water because it's going to come right off and it's going to infuse your skin with natural oils. But in cold salt water, it's no gusta. Yeah. So <laughs> use a, use soap that might be more lye-based. Personally, I prefer that. It really gets you feeling clean. It strips that dirt and grime off. But um, keep that into consideration. Don't don't be trying to store up all these natural ingredient soaps. They will not work. I, I like the lava soaps because it's got the you know the, the pumice in it. in it. Yeah, really the pumice like that stone. a lot. You know, because you get dirt under your nails and yeah. stuff. I like Duke Cannon soaps, which you can find on BallisticInc.com. Um, as well as the shirts we're wearing, <laughs> yes. by the way. Ah. <laughs> Shameless plug. <Yeah. laughs> Go for it. Guns. Yeah, so we'll, we'll briefly, we'll end on the note of guns. You know, I, I think that a lot of people get kind of spun up on preparing and everything. And, you know, maybe you're the kind of person who does have, let's just say, fantastic food stores, medical stores, you know, you've got lots of preparation in place and and you've gone through every little tiny thing. And maybe you haven't considered firearms. Maybe you're one of those people that just thinks about the basic things we covered in this particular podcast, but you don't think about guns. And I'd like to just say that if you are one of those people that maybe is not necessarily super pro gun, or maybe you never thought about owning a firearm, you should probably consider at least having a good rifle and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd probably recommend a twenty two and a shotgun. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to say that. They cover 22. some really different territory, right? A twenty two can be used to take small game. So let's just say it's a disaster situation. Look, I love the squirrels in the yard just as much as the next person. But if you got to eat, you got to eat. You can take rabbits and squirrels and small game with a twenty two. Baby deer. Um, yep. The shotgun yeah. can be used for a wide variety of different things. You can use the shotgun for personal defense inside your household and things like that, which is always great. Um, shotguns, you can use slugs and take... Large game. You can kill mm-hmm. just about any animal that walks on North America with a good 12-gauge slug. Bernanke. Oh, yeah. Magic. Bernanke Black Magic, baby. Oh, boy. That You can kill bears with that sucker. Yeah. So you could kill a moose with a Bernanke Black Magic. So a shotgun is a very, very, very useful tool. And look, uh, if you don't want to mess around with a semi-auto or something, just get yourself a good pump action. Get a Mossberg 590A1 mm-hmm. and get it in the Mariner finish and be done with it. Get you a twenty-two, like a get a Ruger ten twenty-two, a Mossberg Mariner five ninety A one with a metal trigger guard, and just regular old peep sights or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can do ghost ring sights, so you can make accurate shot with a slug, and then get you a rifle of some sort. And look, if you don't want to have an AK or AR or something like that, just get you a decent hunting rifle. You know, get you a, a find a used uh, Remington seven hundred or a used. Uh, uh, Ruger M77 or something like that, and mm-hmm. just get it in a decent caliber. Like you get a 308, something common. Yep, and just you don't get have a 308 and be done with it for hunting. You know, or something. and you can hunt with uh, irons on a 700. It's not ideal, but you can. You don't. I mean, if you're looking at a, like a budgetary restriction, right? You know, optics for like a really good optic, you're it's probably going to cost more than the rifle if you're just getting like a basic. Remington yeah. 700. You don't have to have it. You can use open sights, iron sights on a 700, uh, Remington 700, and you can still take deer. Now, you're, you're, are you going to be hitting stuff at, you know, 100 or 200? No. But, you know, you could take, you could definitely take a buck with no yeah. problem with that. And you don't have to break the bank and maybe work yourself up. I think I heard you say it. Uh, what is it? A Ruger in the holster is better than a Glock on layaway. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like the same thing. Just Buy the rifle and then worry about, you know, getting all the ninja stuff on it later yeah. if you even want to do that. I mean, I, I, of course, would recommend, you know, a solid AR, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the thing is, 
an AR can cross a lot of different territories in terms of its usefulness to you. One, it's good against two-legged game if, if, the, <laughs> if the need arises. But also, I mean, an AR is great for taking care of coyotes. You can hunt small to medium game. I probably wouldn't go, you know, try to go do some moose or bear hunting with one. But with proper shot placement with a heavy bullet, a good expanding bullet and AR, even in 5.56, five, you can certainly take deer mm-hmm. with good shot placement. That's you probably important. do need to be a little bit better of a shot to be able to make a precise shot on an animal. You need to train with it. Make sure you know how to use it well. But like a good AR with a red dot can certainly do the job and probably fill multiple roles a little bit better than just a regular hunting rifle. Um, So that can serve as your hunting rifle and your personal defense. If you were going to have, let's just say, a bolt-action hunting rifle, a twenty-two, and then like the shotgun, as we mentioned, well, then you could probably just use the shotgun for your protection. And believe me, you know, seven or eight rounds of a 12-gauge is certainly going to dissuade even the most determined person. You're just going to be a little limited on the range that you can do so. I mean, mm-hmm. probably 75 yards is going to be about the maximum you're going to want to sling buckshot at something and hate. Uh, so, but an AR, of course, you can defend yourself out to 500 meters. So, yep. you know, that's a, a comforting thing to know that you've got a little more standoff distance in a rifle. Just something to consider. Um, people get wrapped up in guns a lot. And, and believe me, I'm a gun guy, <laughs> 110%. But don't skimp on that medical. Don't skimp on the food storage for uh, your your budgeting. Uh, let's say that you've covered medical, you've covered food, you've got a few guns that you like. Uh, probably one of the other areas in the gun world you'd want to look at is probably you know making sure you've got a decent quantity of ammo and you've got some extra parts and magazines. Uh, once you've you know uh, checked those boxes, uh, if you have a firearm that you could probably obtain some extra parts, that's one reason I recommend the AR because you can get oops kits, you can get um, extra firing pins and bolts and extra uh, components that you need to keep the gun running. Let's say, for whatever reason, let's say you only want own you only own one AR. Okay, you break the firing pin. Oh well, the gun's down. And they do shear off. They do break. They do break. Know? They it's not often, but they will yep. break. You can have a spare firing pin for like ten dollars. I mean. You know, one day, all right, let's say one month your budget is, let's just say $200 to spend on preps and stuff. You could totally go on uh, CMMG or anywhere and just get you a couple of firing pins, a couple of spare extractors, um, maybe an extra cam pin for your bolt would be very important. Maybe one spare bolt just in case you shear a lug and maybe, you know, extra spring kit to respring the whole gun and a couple of uh, extractor plungers. You could get all of those parts for like probably no more than a hundred bucks mm-hmm. and there you go that's probably all the parts you'll ever need for that gun for the whole time you have yeah, it. it'll outlive you if you're running it a lot and let's say you're using a lot of steel cased ammo generally the steel case is going to be a little bit harder on the extractor that's no big deal buy a few extra extractors if you pop an extractor just swap the sucker out and you're good easy i i think no big deal in in these situations People have the perception and the survival situation with with ARs that they're going to be using the gun a lot more than they are. Preferably, I mean, silence is golden. Like you are like the last thing you want to be doing in that situation is just causing a whole lot of commotion. So like when you pull that trigger, like it should be like one. Like that's it. Like you don't want the report coming back to you. You don't want yeah. anything. So, or maybe consider a suppressor for your Ruger 1022. You could, I mean, you could do integrally, integrally suppressed stuff. That's, I mean, it's getting to the point out with 22s that it's very affordable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, when you start getting into the upper echelon of like ARs, you can drop stupid money on it. Yeah. But with 1022s in particular, it's such a such a widely accepted format. I mean, you I, can get into a Ruger 1022 takedown for like 400 bucks. Yep. And there are suppressors out there that costs less than the tax stamp. Yeah. <laughs> so they're very affordable 22 cans. Now, are mm-hmm. the is the performance like super good? Probably not. They may not be the most quiet can in the world, but they'll work. It's still a 22. It's still going to conceal very well the sound signature, the flash signature. Um, but most importantly, the ammo is probably still the only affordable ammo that I would feel comfortable drop. Like for me, it's hard to pull the trigger on buying ammo because I still have this stigma in my head of like, God, I'm getting ripped off. I'm getting raked through the coals. But with 22 ammo, it's still at the point where you can like, I don't feel too bad about it. I can still buy a brick of ammo and, and I feel comfortable doing that. 
and you still get 500 rounds. Great point. <laughs> yeah. All right, look, one other thing. That's a great note to end on. Okay, so your vacuum sealer, you can also use for ammo. Mm-hmm. So get your go on our Amazon link and get you a vacuum sealer or whatever. I'll, I'll put some of my favorite ones on there. There's really only like two that we use. Um, but you can vacuum seal your ammo. So you can yep. take and divvy out your ammo into small portions and vacuum seal it. That way you're only opening whatever portion you might need. So if you have some inclement weather or if your pack gets wet, you don't have to worry about your ammo getting spoiled. That's especially true with shotgun ammo. You want to keep your shotgun ammo as dry as possible. Um, it is very susceptible to moisture intrusion, especially if you use paper shells. I wouldn't recommend paper shells. Stick with the plastic high brass shells mm-hmm. uh, with your combat loads and vacuum seal them until you're ready to use them. Yep. Uh, again, those vacuum seal bags, super, super, super useful for a wide variety of different things. Same thing on your parts. All right. Say you get some spare parts for your AR. Vacuum seal them suckers and then take the vacuum seal pack. And like if you have a Magpul uh, buttstock that's got the storage compartment on it, just put your little vacuum seal pouch in there. You never have to worry about anything rusting or your springs getting lost or going everywhere. And you're keeping that's everything right. nice and contained. And again, put your uh, your oxygen depleter in there with your springs. There you go. You got your vacuum yep. seal parts. You ain't got to worry about them rusting up or getting lost on you. That's right. Moisture is the enemy. So yes. you definitely want to keep all that stuff out, silica gel packs or like mm-hmm. whatever you need to do. Um, don't underestimate it because, it, you know, rust is like a cancer. So as soon as yeah. you see it, it's too late. Like it's already there. You need to, you know, brush it off. You need to put some a little bit of oil on it and get that taken care of. But, you know, I think we covered a very large gamut of, you know, practical and budgetary prepping so yes prepping can go all the way up to like having you know no budget at all like price is not an object or you could go the opposite and say you know i have a very very specific budget i have had friends where quite honestly they're like oh yeah i'm prepared and i'm like all right well you know tell me tell me what you have just so i can make a mental note of it and when they start rattling off what they have i'm like all right that's cool that's cool that's good and then they stop and i'm like hmm that's it. Like, that's what you have. And they're like, yep. I'm like, well, here's, you don't want to come off as like being an a-hole or being condescending. So, you know, I always like, hey, man, if I were you, I'd look at this. Just did you think about this and do that? And you want to make sure that you're interjecting that information to them in a very friendly way because it's very easy to come off as condescending. And they're like, well, I'm not doing that. That's That's a great point, Matt. Matt brings up a great point. have good support groups amongst your friends and family when it comes to this type of stuff. If you know that your buddies are doing it, uh, that your friends are doing it, your family's doing it, whatever, um, you know, form a support group. Make sure you're communicating with with each other and keeping each other motivated to continue preparing well. Look, it's okay to, to be hard with each other and go, hey, you need to do more of this or more of that. Or, hey, your storage conditions aren't exactly perfect. Here's something we could do to make this a little bit better, right? There is nothing wrong with sharing resources, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe one person buys the vacuum sealer and the bags. The other person buys some jars and flats and pressure canner. And you guys can just help each other prep. So there are ways that you can do it on a budget collectively as a group and share resources to make sure that you all have uh, a great way to sustain yourself. So there's certainly nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. In fact, Chad and I do that all the time, right? We both have vacuum sealers, but he bought an all-American canner, and I bought one too. So on certain days, like if Chad says, hey, I'm going to be canning today, I may go by his house and drop off my canner so he can use two pressure canners. Yep, double and the he output. can get double the work done. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to share resources, even though I own a pressure canner and so does he. I may borrow his from time to time, and that way we're sort of sharing resources. So don't be afraid to get with like-minded people and share resources and and share all the, the little tips and tricks that you come up with to help each other survive a little bit better. We never hope that we have to get into some terrible situation that we're going to have to, you know, undergo such a a strict regimen for survival. But it's important to know that the possibility exists that the world you know and love could be disrupted. And there's a lot of ways that that disruption can occur, right? It can be a natural disaster, which is probably the most prevalent thing that could happen. It could be civil unrest or some type of crazy thing going on in your society. Um, We've seen all the the rioting and looting and crazy things that happen. Gas and food shortages. Food shortages, fuel shortages, um, you know, uh, disruptions in service, such Mm -hmm. as, uh, you know, even your utilities or even just 
uh, basic delivery, you know, the mail being delayed, UPS, FedEx, tons of things can happen. So I'm, I'm glad we touched on that real, like for fuel, get some fuel, put some stabil in there, some fuel stabilizer. I mean, the fuel stabilizer lasts a very long time. It does. Um, and get yourself, you know, a five gallon. So if you go and I'm not advocating for Uline, I think they're slightly overpriced, but it's very Fair. convenient, <laughs> but they sell these really cool, like five or 10 gallon fuel like cans that are uh, gravity fed, but you can, it has a little fuel spout on it. So you can actually fill your car with it. And I don't, I don't, I don't remember the price, but if you get maybe two of those, that's like 20 gallons of fuel, put some fuel stabilizer in there. And the beautiful thing is you're never going to waste it. When you know, when you put the date, when you write that masking tape date on the outside of the fuel can, you know when you have to use it. So guess what? When you need to fill your car up, just take the fuel out of there, put it in your car. And then replenish And then, and then refill the tank. Yeah. And so you just keep this running. But I mean, they- yeah, And do that in accordance with your budget. Yeah. So like if, if you got a little spare budget, you don't know where to put it, just go, hey, I'm going to cycle out my fuel this month. And yep. No big deal. Buy that extra 20 gallons, 30 gallons of fuel. And that way you have a little bit extra fuel on hand. You never mm-hmm. know. Um, you know, maybe a generator would generators, be a bad idea. Yeah, you know? you generators, but the the fuel <clears throat> lasts quite a while. I mean, at, at minimum, like a year, because it's yeah. made it's made for like winterizing boats and winterizing vehicles. But it can last much longer, depending on how much of that fuel stabilizer you add in there. Yeah, especially if you buy the ethanol free fuel. Yes, which they do sell at some select gas stations. It costs mm-hmm. a little bit more, but you're right. If you go with the ethanol free, you have a lot less water uh, for it to separate in and stuff like that. Well, we really hope that you guys enjoyed today's podcast. And if you're watching here on YouTube, thanks for joining us. Um, you know, we, we really want people to be safe and happy and to have as little disruption in their freedom and everyday life as possible. And that's really what the overall vein of today's podcast slash video was meant to accomplish. Uh, we want you guys to be safe and happy. We want your families to be safe and happy. And we may not be 110% uh, dialed in on every single little tiny thing, but hopefully this gave you some food for thought and gave you uh, a little bit of uh, something to chew on in your head there uh, to maybe, you know, maybe you didn't think about some of this stuff and now you know. That's right. uh, if you'd like to support the podcast or the YouTube channel here, you can go over to Ballistic Inc., pick yourself up a snazzy t-shirt. We would greatly appreciate the support, uh, you know, and you guys have a great week and we will see you next Friday we're are, Well, if you're on YouTube, you'll see us on Saturday. If you're listening on the podcast, you can always get our newest podcast every Friday. Uh, we drop them. So right. if you'd like to listen early, uh, you can get to our podcast a day early than when it drops on YouTube. If you want to go over to all the popular podcast servers, you can check us out. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Everything. Everything. Everywhere. We're Everywhere. there. And please leave us a good review on there that helps us show up in the uh, search a little bit better. So... Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Life, Liberty, and Pursuit. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are found. Be sure to leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. You can support us over on Ballistic Inc. by picking yourself up some merch. And remember, guys, dangerous freedom. Have a good one.